more Resident Evil. And other zombie games. No, you don't live life, Saul. Uh, hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you actually lucky episode 158. I said 158 last week, not not paying attention. Like, I went and looked and I saw that we were on 157, technically. That's what we were recording, and yet I still said 158. Anyways. Hey, you uh, know, mistakes know. are made. You take the good, you take the bad, <laughs> yeah. facts of life, all that stuff. Uh, if you have never watched us and we are a playstation based podcast who talks about a little bit of everything in regards in regards to gaming through the lens of playstation but we start this show off a very nice and genuine and fun way which is probably one of the best parts of the show really just from a stand up and catch up with a uh, saw and that is very basic Saul, what have you been doing what have you been playing you were on quarantine as we know from the week you know five days ago that we or the episode we did five days ago, four days ago, technically. Yeah, four days ago, uh, I guess. Um, Have you done anything since then? I mean, I still played Animal Crossing. Haven't played Destiny. Haven't played any Dark Souls or anything. But you started um, one thing. I did start Final Fantasy VII, and I am actually thoroughly enjoying it. There are a couple of problems that I have that I knew was going to happen, based off my original complaints about the game. Little too much padding in some parts. Mm-hmm. Little pacing problems because of that padding. It just slows everything down. Um, but with how the, how well the combat's done, with how well the voice acting, soundtrack, all that stuff comes together, um, it is it is worth it. It is worth that. Those it's it's almost kind of like God of War. By the end of it, God of War to me still had pacing problems towards the end, but then just the the general story and everything about the game was made right. Yeah, you know, we always talk about gaming. Or we always talk about pacing on this show, right? I, th- I feel like that's become a big thing for both of us is mm-hmm. uh, in slightly different ways of what we do and don't prefer. Uh, you know, I was one of the people that didn't have a problem with God of War's pacing at all. But I do understand where you're coming from, even if I don't agree. The weird thing about games, and I guess we are a little hard on it for it, but games exist in the really interesting thing of like, when a movie has pacing problems, it really gets on my nerves because there's no external input from for a movie. Yeah. There's no reason for the pacing to ever be at stake with anything else because it should be, hey, this is a tight, controlled, 100%, be, no user infa- input. This should be a 100% controlled and, and well-put-together pace. The main focal point of the movie or the, or, yeah, or the creation exactly. of the movie. Yeah, and, and so when it's in a movie, it bothers me. And, when, and even then what's crazy is when you see a movie that has what I consider to be no pacing problems, like Prisoners, I, I was mentioning because, excuse me. Bless you. Woo! Okay, sorry about that. Allergies are totally getting me. Uh, as our weather continues to bounce back and forth, and I'm starting to hate it. Yeah, you're um, supposed to storm even more here in a little bit. I know it, and it's stupid. But um, happy Easter, everyone. We're recording yes, on Easter, happy Easter, by the way. I uh, hope that you found some solace in this. But on the story thing, you know, um, it's I'm hard on it on games, but I'm equally hard on it on movies, and I feel like it's so rare that I even watch a movie that I feel like was actually paced perfectly. But games do exist in that weird thing where God of War is a little different because it's not totally open world it's more like little open hub areas like it's far more open than what the other god of wars were but it's still much more linear than something like spider-man and you know spider-man we had huge complaints with uh part of it i think was design based you know like we talked about with 
the feeling that the game is trying to push you to do side content. So it purposely stops the story from moving on, even in a moment of urgency, just so it can kind of be like, oh, by the way, you're a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Go see what else is out there for you to do before we even give you the option to play the next mission for the next three to seven minutes. I will say, people did complain about this game being linear. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if those people played the original Final Fantasy VII or not, because that game's fairly linear. Mm -hmm. Um uh, they, it has an openness aspect to it, but you're so constrained in that little small open space that sure. it might as well be considered even more linear than open. Um, this game, I think that's one of the reasons why the pacing to me is okay, because it is linear. Um, I'm not going to give out any kind of spoilers or anything of that nature. I'm not even going to touch the story. I'm not going to touch anything about the game other than um, you know just that I'm enjoying it. And I, I honestly, you should pick it up and play it today. I think you would really enjoy it. I'm probably going to, uh, which I'll talk about what I'm in, but I'm probably going to play something else because my Amazon order shipped today. So if I get really lucky. Oh, yeah, I forgot. That's what you were waiting on. Or ship last night, one of the two. So I think it was technically last night at like four in the morning. It gave me a shipped email. So I guess that's technically today, but I considered it last night when I was still awake. But um, yeah, I probably will wait uh, just because I don't feel like, pay, I don't want to pay for it again. Just to have another version come in, yeah. There's, you know, I will say though, this to kind of end the seven talk. This is the best combat Final Fantasy has ever seen. That's not that's freeform. Oh yeah, that's like real time. This and I said it in our Final Fantasy Discord chat. Um, it feels. This sounds like crazy. It can feel like Devil May Cry points with how well it's done that's, and how fluid it is. That's really interesting. It's so much better than 15's combat. Well, okay, and and did you play more 15? Because yeah. the only honestly the I, okay, I, I'm a little bit weird. I don't know if anybody else feels this way. I don't hate 15's combat. I actually think it's relatively fluid. It's just a little too automated. That's about the only problem I have with it. And even if you play it like I did, where you make a Kingdom Hearts by tapping the buttons, it still just feels like a little too automated in comparison to what 7's demo did. But uh and I don't remember that you ever played it, but I know you at least watched me play it. I feel like 15's battle system, whenever it was still operating under the episode Duskaya uh, mm-hmm. that was going, or Duskay, whatever it was called, um, where before they stuck with this, hey, you're going to hit X and you'll do this. It was like, okay, you're going to hit this button to do this weapon, this button to do this weapon. You can flip between them and everything you do is more or less in real time. I actually preferred that a lot more to the battle system we ended up getting in 15. And it felt to me like that version in episode Disky, Disky, whatever. I really don't know how you say that. Uh, it felt to me like that was kind of approaching the level of, like, hey, this feels like some of the better made action games. What I'll say about this Combat 15 is that it felt, it felt too automated. It felt too button, like button mashing in a way that, like, I, I, my brain was on autopilot while doing it. Yeah. This I actually feel like with the way you select characters and you, you, um. I'm trying to avoid giving out combat specifics for those that don't want to know. But um, when you're not playing as a character, you can give them commands. Mm-hmm. And the way it's done is through the tactical menu where it essentially becomes turn-based in a yeah. way. But it's very quick. You can do it very quickly. And you have to think about the things you're doing with the way they've made the combat with staggering. And I'll pretty much leave it at that. If you played the demo, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a joy. Uh, I've not not once had a moment in it where I was just immediately let down um i'll say that most of the things that i did complain about originally with this game has come slightly to fruition but for the for the lack of um potentially spoiling the game for you that i'm not going to say it but there is a reason why i decided to get this game because i found something out about it and 
It's actually any if there was a game if this game took that direction uh, took any direction it this is the one I actually didn't know I wanted and I want it now so I'm curious just to see uh, where I get I'm in chapter eight now and there's eighteen chapters I think so I'm a little little bit at halfway pretty much yeah just to finalize the thing up on the fifteen I think the only thing that fifteen had going for its battle that didn't feel that felt essentially non automated was the warp system. It's like the only thing that really made you feel like you're 100% in control and like the game is not doing everything for you. I really did enjoy that, uh, though I don't think it fits in 7. No, yeah. There's there's other things in 7 that work out really well. Yeah, yeah, sure. Either way, I, I look forward to playing it, and I, I have a really strong feeling that I'll like it, um, even though I've essentially, I think, guessed what some of the things are going to be. We'll wait and see. <laughs> well, I mean, you've talked about a couple yeah. things, too that yeah which a surprise i had my own theory of what was going to happen and saul was kind of giving me the the rundown on I, i'm partially or or you know where how correct my theory was and i chose to let him tell me that i'll but. say this and it's very vague um i did not think they had the balls to do what they're doing to story I thought legitimately, never mind, I'm not going to say that. Because then if I say that, then people are going to know that that's not what it is. So I'm not yeah, going to say back that. back off of it. We'll, if yeah. we ever do an impressions video for the game, I'll go into it more depthly on why I kind of backpedaled myself because I didn't think they would, they, I didn't think Nomura had the balls or even the permission from Square Enix to do this. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. this is, it's, it's, it's cool. Turns out that the game that he showed them had a completely different setup. This game the- is Final Fantasy 13 versus. <laughs> you just you just didn't know it. Cloud dies in like the first 10 minutes and you would take over as Noctai. Dude, spoiler alert. Yeah, Noctai is Noctai. the new Yeah, it's Noctis's evil twin who's also his heartless. Mm. And um you know, Xehanort's in the game which is kind of weird. They're talking about Keyblades again. Does he I have- think I'm playing Game Wars 4. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh so that's it. That's good. I'm glad you've been enjoying it, though. That's because you know. Yeah, I want to play more of it tonight, and maybe try to get to chapter ten. Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Like, I'm trying to calculate in my head. Uh, like I just looked at the weather, and I hate having to go get groceries in the weather. And it looks like I'll be getting home from groceries hopefully right around the time it starts storming again. And that'll give me like four to five hours of playing the game. So there you go. if I can get to chapter ten and call it quits for the night, then I think I'll be happy. All right. But what have you been playing? Played some more Saints Row 4, um, and it continues to be the near uh, to my <laughs> to this weird open bo- open sandbox game. Uh, and again, just because of the way that it, it bounces around, like I mentioned in last episode, it's just consistently blowing my mind at how many ways it chooses to go. Uh, but from that, you know, I, I think I mentioned last week that I bought Fallout 76 for $5, and I got Ghost Recon Breakpoint. And yesterday, because we were waiting, and we want to try and do Breakpoint all together, because we're all going to be coming into it newly, um, Fallout 76, one of our friends, Chris, that we're playing with, uh, who does the midweek matinee movie podcast with me and Blake, uh, he is already playing Fallout 76, so we're playing catch-up to him. So I started it, <clears throat> and if I'm not mistaken, Saul, you've not played Fallout 76 at all, just like I hadn't until yesterday, right? Yeah, I never touched it. Okay. It's surprising. It does have some of the problems that you expected a Bethesda-made online game to have, but it's also got a lot of the benefits that I think were not afforded to the Elder Scrolls series when yeah. it, with its move to online that I really appreciate here. So... Even though it's online, and they've always said this, but even though it's online, outside of the lack of NPCs, which are being added uh, at the end of the week, the 14th, I guess Tuesday, actually, um, outside of that, 
it feels like a normal Fallout game. It you you get out, you can do everything that you'd otherwise do. You can explore. The gameplay is still the same. You can pick up everything, craft. You can still build a camp. You can do everything that you could in Fallout Four, but you can do it in a new world that you're not familiar with and online with a friend. How does the game perform? Better now than it did at launch by far, but I still ran into a couple of problems that I don't know if were internet based. Um, because of everything going on right now, it's kind of hard to completely say what is and isn't the internet's fault yeah. on online games. I did have a couple of moments where I was shooting like a mole rat, and whenever I was going to shoot it, it would like teleport to the other side of the road and then pop up. It only happened a couple of times. The majority of it was pleasant, um, but yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. I had a couple of times where I'd go to shoot something and it'd teleport like two feet away from like what seemed like a, a lag essentially with the server, yeah. which again could be the server, could be my internet because uh, Blake wasn't experiencing them at the same time. So it's really hard to say. Um, but I liked it. Uh, also, we we ended up getting into the and being able to explore the setting. The set, I actually like this little setup and, and Blake does too, which is when you're dealing with online games like this, you never, you don't like it when you come up with somebody who's a griefer and they can go ahead and just kill you over and over and over again. Yeah, that's and, all, that's kind of annoying. So in this game, it's set up to where if they shoot you, they do basically no damage. They would have to sit there for a long time and shoot you without you doing anything for them to kill you. Mm-hmm. But if the moment you shoot them back, your bullets to each other do the actual amount of damage. That initiates PvP, essentially. Yes, exactly. So we got into that. Guy started trying to kill Blake. So Blake shot him back, and then I went out there and shot him to try and support my boy. <laughs> he was level 14, and I was like level 6, and Blake was level 8. <laughs> so it was interesting. We killed him a number of times, but he killed us a number of times. Um, but yeah, I got I to give them credit. And one of the big things, big things they've done so far that I'm not running to, or at least less, I'm sure it's in the game. One of the big things I hated about Fallout 4 in comparison after playing The Witcher 3 very close to it, because you know it was earlier that same year, was you had to load into places often in Fallout 4, and it felt really last-gen where it's like, okay, well, you got to go into this facility, so you can't just walk into it and be part of this open world. Instead, it's got to be this thing where you go into this facility and it's an enclosed, separate thing. Right. That was a problem with uh, The Outer Worlds as well, but The Outer Worlds was a much more budgeted game, so I didn't mind that. Uh, But in this one, so far, even though, according to Blake, those places still exist, they seem far more often. I've got. I went into a fairly large, um, you know, I, I guess I could say a, a warehouse slash building that was uh, going on that had like labs and stuff. And I found power armor very early in the game. Was able to put it on and whatnot. Oh, so it's not like level um, based. Uh, well, it is, but it, I could wear the exosuit, which still gave me plenty of benefit. But I couldn't wear the armor for the exosuit because oh, okay. it was above my level. So yeah, it's it was it was really interesting, and I didn't have to load into that very big place that had a ton of enemies. So it was cool to kind of see that. Uh, and the game does look better than Fallout Four for the like pretty much for for the most part. Now that's not the biggest uh, success story in the world, considering that Fallout Four is a rather bland game from a graphical standpoint. Uh, but it it looks like someone's playing Fallout Four on a decent PC with a bunch of mods activated. Like there's way more. Th- thickness in the foliage and trees there's more stuff going on the, the lighting is a, is a lot better the textures actually are better they're higher quality for the most part there's a little bit of pop-in lag on on things like mountains uh to where they kind of look like borderlands rocks for a second oh i will say what pop in really high detail speaking of pop in final fantasy 7 has a lot of pop in <laughs> ah, that's a shame a lot like and when you're in the slums and like you're running the thing like 
groups of uh, people will just pop up in front of you, like 20 feet in front of you. Uh, there's also texture problems, too, where yeah. backdrops look like they're last gen, and they don't ever load. That's just the texture. Like, it's it just looks like a painting of some kind. It actually, in this game, the style of it kind of fits with, like, what the original looked like, which for some people is going to be a problem. For me, I'm kind of like, that style is okay, I guess. I can't tell if it's intentional or not. Are you sure it's not just where the backdrop literally never loaded in, but it was supposed to? Or where it did oh, no. it? I, you, you know when games will do that texture switch where when you're far enough away, it's like this version of it, but as you get closer, it on the fly swaps in the higher resolution? Nah, yeah, this is something like, these are backdrops you'll never be able to get to. And like they'll, so you'll never get close enough for them to load, and they just look like that. And there are a couple, there is a couple texture pop ins in terms of that too, like where you'll you'll run into a wall or something, and that wall will take a second for the textures to actually load. Uh, that's a shame because I was really surprised that Kingdom Hearts had very little of that. Yeah, and this it's very present in this game, but it it doesn't take away that much. I'm getting through it pretty well. Okay, interesting. Uh, well. That's about it. I plan on probably playing Fallout 76 some more with Blake today. I, I, I don't know where I stand on the game yet, but I'm pleasantly surprised that it's okay so far. <laughs> pleasantly surprised that it's okay. Yeah. I mean, I know that sounds weird, but it's mostly good. It, to me, it's it's what Bethesda probably should have done with the Elder Scrolls when they, when they went to try and move it online. I don't think that they should have made it an MMO, personally. Even though I don't mind the Elder Scrolls online, I think it's probably one of the better MMOs. But... It doesn't feel, it, it feels like you're playing a world, you know when you have those like Chinese games that don't care about uh, copyright infringement at all and they'll essentially make the exact same game as somewhere yeah. else? It feels like someone essentially made the Elder Scrolls as an MMO, but without any of the actual naming rights for the for Elder Scrolls. So it just looks all like it, but it's not really. It, yeah, it feels really weird. Yeah, it's like it feels like you're playing an alternate universe version of the of the game where it's like, oh, this is what the Elder Scrolls could have been, maybe. But, yeah, I, I prefer that aspect of it, and it's really good. I still don't understand why they didn't just call it Fallout Online. My only estimation for that is that they chose to go with 76 because it was clear that it wasn't going to be like the 76th Fallout game, and it wouldn't draw the comparisons of the Elder Scrolls Online, which is an MMO. It might have been one of those things where if people see fallout online they think it's an mmo it doesn't have a traditional story or traditional game that you could technically play entirely by yourself and would be very similar to a normal fallout game so i I think that's probably what's going on but we'll see i'm going to give it some more time before i make a decision on what i want to do with it blake and chris are aiming for platinum i don't know if i can do that we'll see i have to i have to see more about it i didn't get the platinum for fallout 4 so I feel like I probably want in this one. I would never try to get the platinum for any Bethesda game. I know you have the platinum for Skyrim. Yeah, Skyrim's is really fun. Maybe that would be the only one. Maybe Oblivion too, but anything else just seems like too tedious. Fair. Like Fallout Four, even for like Fallout Three, if that was to make it a remaster, I probably would not try to get a platinum for that. There's so much crap in Fallout Three. The trophy list or the achievement list for that game on Xbox 360 was annoying. So yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine what it would be now. There's only one truly annoying one on Skyrim. It's the Thieves Guild. Anybody who's played Skyrim and knows what the trophy set for the Thieves Guild is, it's so dumb. What is it? You have to... All the other guilds, you get their final trophy for just beating the guild storyline. Oh, you have to actually get the skeleton key away? In the Thieves Guild, you have to keep playing and doing Thieves Guild jobs over and over past the storyline and eventually do uh, 20 heist and like... Each uh, you have to do yeah it's something like that it's like twenty heist in each of the strongholds and they're randomly given so eventually it gets to the point where you either have to choose between just doing all the random ones provided to you or getting them 
from delving and then canceling them until you get one that's in the stronghold you need. And you got to have to keep like a personal count <laughs> of how many you've done in each stronghold. It's just dumb. And it's way more tedious than any other ones are, but it's technically one of the only guilds that has a purpose because all the other guilds are like really story heavy. They're not really the same. I mean, you could do the dark brotherhood and be like, Hey, do some more, uh, contracts, but they didn't choose to do that. They chose to do really heavily on the thieves guild. So that's yeah. weird, but that's about the only trophy. That's not just, Hey, do everything in the game. Yeah. That's a really kind of weird direction to go with that. Yeah. But all right, I think we're going to go ahead and move into the community stake question. And of course you had less time to do this one, uh, but y'all came through and we appreciate that. That's really good. Yes. Thank you. Um, our question was simple. What is your general thoughts or what are your general thoughts on the DualSense controller? Do you like the design, the features, uh, the name? What kind of special edition would you like to see if there were to be one? Uh, and over on Facebook, where I'll start since Saul doesn't have access to that. Nope. He says, and this is for anybody who wants to partake in the uh, community state question. This is a Facebook group we have called Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. If you go over and ask to be uh, joined, we will gladly put you in there and you can uh, interact with these. Of course you can do them anywhere else as well. But uh, Mr. Brian Lett says, I'm looking forward to haptic feedback and varying tension. Sounds cool. It sounds a lot like the Xbox one elite controller, which I've never tried. And I actually had a couple of back and forth on that because I thought that maybe he, even though he's never tried it, he may have known someone with it. And I really thought, Hey, you know, maybe the elite controller has things I'm unaware of. Now he's right in one sense. Uh, the haptic feedback is technically in the Xbox One controller. It's They have a one small haptic feedback motor each on the vibration that's in the uh, triggers. Mm -hmm. uh, but the rest of it is normal rumble. Uh, and now, of course, the varying sounds, the levels of tension. Uh, I think we both kind of talked about it. He thinks he may have been confusing the trigger stops that are built into the Elite that give you a hair trigger sensor. I can see how somebody would confuse that because tension, that's what it does. Like It's a tensioner, and like it's not the same kind of tension, I yeah. guess. But yeah, it makes sense because that still technically is tension for you. Yeah, it. it's like it's not an actuator that's going to push against you, yeah. but it is something that's going to change how much tension you have to give. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's interesting, but that's uh, something. So I learned a little bit, too, because I decided to look up into the Xbox controller and the Elite controller and... Uh, see a little bit more of that. Uh, Mr. Ken Nace says, I'm not a fan of the two-tone color scheme, but I'm excited about the haptic feedback. My only concerns is since the next Xbox controller is lacking a lot of these features, will third parties really take advantage of the DualSense, and how much will the extra controller cost? Uh, cost was definitely a thing that came in on this. Yeah, I'm going to assume this controller is going to cost $80. I was thinking Joy-Con level, which is 70. The current controllers are 65, but they're almost, because we're so late in the gym, they're almost always on sale for $40, yeah. unless it's a brand new color. So I could 70 see, to 80, yeah, I could yeah, see. 70 um, to 75 was really where my brain is like, I could see it. Well, see, I'm still in that kind of, that, that, that theory that this is a new controller. The DualShock's not going away. We're going to get a DualShock 5. Sure. And that'll be 70. This will be 80 or something, which, nah, that doesn't actually make sense because this has way more features than a DualShock 4 does or yeah. a 5 does or would. Unless it actually has the back button thing, which I'm still mad about. It's like they shipped out one order of those things to everybody in the world, and, and yet... I think about you, Saul. Every time I go to Walmart, I go over and look just to see if they have if one. If they have one, pick it up. I'll pay you back. I literally do that. I go and I'll be like, if there's me, one here, I'll grab it. It makes me so upset. They knew people wanted that, and they're just like, oh, we're just going to make a limited supply. <laughs> uh, Jason G. on Twitter said, I like the design, love the color, and the changes they made to it. It's something different in regards to additions. 
I've seen some fan-made ones related to games like Spider-Man and an uh, almost an Animal Crossing Odyssey. Assassin's Creed Odyssey one, which I would purchase in a heartbeat. game theme ones would be cool. I think that the, it's going to be the thing where the fan-made controllers are always going to be way better than anything Sony's going to give us. Because <laughs> I don't think they're going to do cool stuff again. Like, they never really have. Like, even the God of War controller that came with the system is kind of lacking to me. They yeah. could have made that more grand. These these fan controllers are like 100 times better than all those. <laughs> And sometimes you got to give it credit to the people designing. They're doing things. Oh, yeah. They're doing things that there may be such a challenge to print this pr- on a, produce or, them this way yeah. that they choose not to do it. But I think more often than not, they're, the designs are things that Sony could do something similar to, and they just don't. Now, a lot of that I thought was maybe because of the DualShocks 4 shaping where it's like circles that have paddles going. Mm-hmm. I really do think that they can do a lot more from a design a- uh, aspect with the two handle sides being more of like a slate that, st- that starts and just slopes down instead of having individual lines that hard. And then because it's a little more flat and a little bit more edged off, it gives them like a big plate to work with. Yeah, And I even think from a production standpoint, it would mean that you can make a normal controller in every sense of the way, and all you'd have to do is on those two front, depending on what you chose to do, worst case scenario, they could at least make it easier to wear the front-facing plates that cover the D-pad and the uh, face buttons could just be essentially, because they're they're separate pieces. Yeah. If they print those and do all the manufacturing to make those unique and then slap those onto the existing frame of a controller, then bam, you've got it. Well, even more Whereas color the DualShock options. 4, yeah, but the DualShock 4 is more like a whole sl- the whole thing is one piece. Right. Except so, the, except the I think the bottom of the yeah, handles yes, are technically the, the bottom is separate. Yeah, so like but what gets me is like uh Xbox has had these really really cool gradient colored controllers. Mm-hmm. And they've had the clear ones that are gradient in a and way, too. And their controller is like a flat slab that works. I, as much as I like the idea, I don't think if you took the DualShock 4 and did the exact same thing that it would look right. Oh, I bet it would. I bet it would look good. I mean, I still think it would look okay, and I'd probably wonder, still be interested in it. You I, wonder if anybody's made a mock-up? I wonder if anybody's done it. Like, they've painted them, and they sell them on like Etsy or something. Maybe. Um... Yeah, I really like the Phantom ones. The, the Gradient ones are also interesting. I don't think the Gradient from a color would be weird. I think what might be weird would be the fading, the Gradient from color to see-through plastic. You yeah, know I mean? yeah, I could see that. But um, it just depends. They're shaped so differently. See, um, just like those right there, these are mock-ups of the, the DualSense <laughs> that are all different colors. Like I would buy both of these sure. top ones at a heartbeat. Yeah, uh, and I think what's been funny is a lot of people have seen because. It's just blown up. And I think one of the things that we didn't talk about last week that I think is we should have probably at least mentioned um, is that a lot of people want Sony, or a lot of people are thinking that Sony's going to stop drip-feeding information. But why would they? Because every time they drip-feed any form of information, it blows up. Yeah. And I don't even completely understand it. Like, of course I'm excited about this, but it is amazing how much different the two are going. You know, Xbox is like, hey, we're going to show you what the console looks like, and then we're going to show you um, a full-on render of what it looks like. We're going to do an inside Xbox where you see the whole console. We're going to make a video where we're breaking the whole console down and showing you what the innards look like. And none of it blows up to to the same degree of, like, Sony being like, hey, here's the PlayStation 5 logo. Yeah. Hey, here's the controller. Hey, here's our really weird tech speak that still got millions upon millions of views in a very short period of time. I don't know if it speaks to how much of a brand as PlayStation had been able to build this generation and if that's really what it is. Because, you know, they talk about uh, products aren't even about the product half the time anymore. It's about brand and brand recognition. 
It's like you can make the same product across two brands, but let's just say another new company came out and made something that's essentially the PlayStation 4 in every way, shape, form. The Sony version would still sell better because Sony's a brand. They're an institution. Yeah. And they've built that up. I feel like Microsoft have done a lot to put themselves there and they can capitalize on that next generation. But it's interesting to see the engagement rates between these two things. It is it is pretty crazy right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't see PlayStation stopping drip feeding information because people are eating it up. Yeah, yeah. I think it it, it you know, it gives them something to think about too in terms of the people who want this stuff. But that goes into kind of this thing of does Sony not have the drive to do really interesting controllers because they're not me and Blake were talking about PlayStation Home last yesterday. He's asking if I ever played it. And I said, yeah, actually, I loved it. It was a great idea. And he's like, do you think that that could ever come back? And I said, really? I don't know. I don't think so because to me, it's Sony when they were doing what Microsoft has spent this generation doing, which is anything and everything that can be a cool, only can do it here or it's consumer facing in a really fun way that you're only seeing because of the desperation that they need to make up some of the ground they lost in market share. We saw it with PlayStation 3. The beginning of the PS3 gen was bad. PlayStation did a bunch of really cool moves throughout the whole generation, making a lot of interesting games, backing a lot of interesting ideas, starting PS Plus, which I think is a really big move because it got us to where games with gold and Nintendo's online are now of, hey, we're going to include games for free with our internet service, which of course was happening on PC, but Sony pioneered it in the, the console realm. So... Those moves are like that, where now I don't feel like Sony has the push to do something that's kind of odd like home. But Microsoft, on the other hand, being in a weird spot is the kind of thing that lets them go, we're going to make really baller controllers, and we're going to make a controller thing where you can go, you can order your own controller. It's going to cost a lot because of the way it is, but you can order a custom controller that says and does everything you want it to. I don't think that has to do with anything with the terms of, be, of, of, of having a successful console, though. I think that that's just a service that they're offering to offer it. Oh, but the services all come back around to the Xbox brand, right? Sony doing all these things was about building the Sony brand up. I mean, of course, by building the Sony brand, you help the PS3 in that area. It's pretty bad to build the brand up and then discontinue everything you're building, right? Home was discontinued. Mm -hmm. PlayStation I was discontinued. They they went a whole different way with PlayStation VR. They went a whole different way away from, um, uh, oh, what was that called? Um, View. That's not even a thing anymore. Oh, view, it's, yeah. it's, they, they have more failures, it seems, than successes. Yeah. In terms of these I do kind think of they services. have way more trials than Microsoft. Yeah, I think that's terrible, though. Yeah. Like, I, that's, that's one thing that irritates me about them is they put something that sounds cool out, and then they just get rid of it. It's like Google. Google does the same thing. They do. And that's it, it's irritating because every time I hear of something cool being worked on by Google or Sony that's kind of like this external application or some kind of cool new thing, it's like, how long is that going to be a thing? Because the second they don't think it's successful, even though it kind of is, they're going to nuke it. Well, yeah, it's like uh, I was mentioning with a conversation with a friend the other day. We'll, the Vita. We'll move along. Uh, yeah, all right. Uh, one of the friends, one of my friends here, I was helping them do something the other day, and we were talking, and uh, she was saying that she really loves Hidden Agenda, and that when this is all done, she'd like to get everybody together and like play Hidden Agenda because it's more fun the more people you have. That was a PlayLink title. And she was unaware that PlayLink that is, Play is gone. I was like, dead. I was like, yeah, PlayLink is not a thing anymore. And she's like, what? I was like, yeah. I like, I'd actually be surprised to see how long those apps that you have that require to download to use them with the game, how long they actually stay. You know what is fun though? on the system because it's because of that exactly what you just said. Jackbox games. Yeah. That's a really fun thing to play with a lot of people. Yeah. So 
that that saw some success, but clearly not enough for Sony to keep investing in it. Yeah. And that is a problem that I think Sony needs to really work on this generation is introducing it's interesting, right? Because in a way, permanent things. I I understand doing something and just trying something out and getting an interesting thing that some people may really love and the rest of people may not care at all. I applaud them for having the balls to do it, but it does kind of look bad when you kind of look back and view it all at once because it's like they it's have they so have so much. many things that they started and then stopped. Yeah. And it, it, I'm surprised that Just VR like has gone on to sell five million because VR for a lot of people, I remember, was this thing where they're like, Sony's going to do the same thing they did with the Move and the Vita. They're just going to make it for a year or two and then stop supporting it. And thankfully, they haven't. No, yeah, it's slowed though. That's the thing that gets me is there's only a lot of third party stuff coming out for VR. What, what's well, the next first party thing coming? Iron Man VR would have been it, and that actually that's is first a, party. Yeah, I thought that was second party, no. or third. Oh, well, okay. I should say this: it's technically second party because they don't own the studio. But it's, it's Sony's it's paying for the yeah. game, and Sony's the one who chose the developer and all that. Yeah, and they have so I mean, yeah, it's that, weird. That it's, also got delayed indefinitely. <laughs> most of their most of their VR stuff has been second party. Yeah, uh, but that's still good. It's not third party support necessarily. It's, but, VR is still here, which Matt is what matters. Yeah. Uh, anyway, keep it back on over to this. Sorry for the little tangent, but uh, let's see. I'll go back over and get one from Facebook real quick. <laughs> this one made me laugh. Josh Drago said. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't like the plain white color since I eat while I'm gaming, and I don't want to see turkey spaghetti stains on the white controller. Even if you're joking, don't eat while you play games, you you Neanderthal. you got to wash your hands when you get done eating and play, touch the controller. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie, though. I am kind of worried about that, too, because there may be a time when I get done eating, and I'm like, okay, I'll use some paper towels, and then somehow something's on my hands. Yeah. But then at the same time, it's like... I just don't want. No matter what, your 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 skin is going to have these oils that is going to make that white off colored within a certain period of time. Yeah, even if they do a really great job, you're talking about like a year max. Yeah, see, and Shadow says, and actually, I did not know this part. Uh, if it, if it's 100, percent he says personally, I like it. The only thing I hope for is longer battery life, like the Switch Pro controller, which I heard is 70 hours. If that's the case, then, I have not used a Switch Pro controller. Yeah, if that, uh, there, I have t- I've hold, I've held one because I got one for Seth for Christmas and he unboxed it or whatever, and I was like kind of messing with it. It's comfortable. Um, Seventy hours though is unheard of for a wireless battery for a gaming controller. The Wii U one that I had, that was essentially very similar, had a crazy long battery life. Um, the controller doesn't do much, to be fair. And to, you know, this HD, goes back to what we talked about before. Like the the Switch Pro controller does not have HD rumble. Even even yeah. It, it, so so Google says it has approximately forty hours, but that could vary. That's of still course. that's not still bad. really good. That's not bad at all. <laughs> um, Joey McPherson on uh, on Twitter says he said I think it's I think I wish it was more curved like the DualShock. I think it's decent, but it was more cur- uh, but yeah. if it was more curvy and not a bland block, it'd be more unique than all the other controllers out there. Now those fan-made point, uh, paints make it look better. Hopefully PlayStation uh, does all those additions. And then he goes on to say that the God of War version of the DualSense was awesome that uh, somebody had made up, which it actually did look pretty cool. It did. I, that's one of the coolest ones I've seen, and that Death Stranding one. The Death Stranding one's really interesting and really out there, but it's the kind of thing I want to see Sony do. If you have an out there game, why not have a crazy controller design in line with it? I was really disappointed 
that and i actually think that they, it still looked cool at least the see-through yellow they chose to do that looked like the baby ambient oh, fluid no, that's ugly. but it's that it wasn't enough like i like the idea but it didn't the one you posted like the right the one you posted in discord that was like the fan-made death training controller was amazing looking. yeah it looked really good the the one that came out for the playstation 4 was terrible i don't think it was terrible i just don't think it was it was like it was trying to capture something but didn't do a good enough job i still to this day say what i what like what i did the first time we saw it was like it looks like the stapler in dwight's jello <laughs> It looks like a controller that somebody had, like, just like that. Yeah. Ugly. Well, and it's because it's like this. I don't know why. Maybe it's because of the back padding. It makes it look like it's got, like, a texture to it instead of being completely smooth. I think it did, didn't it? I don't know. I haven't I haven't held it. I don't have the Death Stranding, which I will say, the Death Stranding Pro was really yeah, pretty. Yeah, the Death Stranding Pro was really cool looking. And that's, you know, Sony have has had a few moments that I've really liked. Uh, okay, I'm going to go nab one off of... Uh, Discord, Mr. SJD Swanlin, one of our patrons, he says, I like the disc, the, I like the design, but not the white color. Need a different color. My biggest complaint is the complete lack of rubber grips on the sides. You get a little bit of that with the Xbox controller, and they went further with the Elite. This has none. And I really don't know what he's talking about, because if you zoom in on the side, it depends on how much it's, he wants it to wrap up the side. It's textured, but it's not rubber, which I think is what he's getting to. Yeah. But even I will the say Xbox the, is not rubber, and well, the, the DualShock, Elite I haven't played. The DualShock is not like that. No, it's not. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, the dual shock is like a square hash line pattern, you know. Yeah, that, but it works. Yeah, to and, me. But um, yeah, that kind of threw me off. Uh, I'll grab one last one off of Twitter uh, to end this because uh, it's actually pretty funny. Our good buddy Gideon, he says, "Dual shock was an institution." It's upsetting they changed the name, which plays into your thing, right? Yes, like I don't think that this is, that dual shock's over. I still think that DualShock may be the budget controller. It may come out, and we talked about this last episode. The, the DualShock 5 might come out. Maybe this is what I would hope would happen. It comes built, built in with the back button thing on it, and it sells for like $60 instead of 65 Like They drop everything down to 40 for PS4 now. Um, and then that controller is 55 Then maybe the Pro one or the, the Sense is going to be 75 or um, 85 or something. Because that, that thing's going to be expensive with a mic built in already and everything. So I wrapped up Twitter. Uh, you got any more on Facebook? I want to grab one more. Actually, I want to grab two more off of Facebook. And the only reason being is that we've had a lot less of uh, the opposing viewpoint. So I'm going to do that one first. Uh, Mr. Danny Candyman Villalobos, one of our, uh, one of our patrons. patrons, he says, not a fan of the design. Doesn't feel like a PlayStation controller. And part of the reason I wanted to read this one is because it's been really surprising to me that there's two groups of people. There are people that are like, wow, this is a really different design, and they either exist in this. Uh, it's a really different design, and they either like it or they don't like it because it doesn't look like a PlayStation controller, or they like it even though it doesn't look like a PlayStation controller. Then you have the group of people who are like, this looks just like a DualShock 4, which I don't see. Like, I see that it, it looks... Like it looks like it evolved from a DualShock yeah, 4. Yeah, this doesn't look But anything. it doesn't look like a DualShock 4 to like me. A DualShock so 4. this is an interesting one. He says, having it as two colors doesn't look too good as well. I don't particularly care for the haptic feedback feature. The DualShock 4 vibration feels fine enough for me. I also miss the colors on the face button, which was a big complaint for a lot of people. Yeah, that's just, no offense to anybody. I just don't see why anybody cares about that. The same thing that Gideon said, which is it's an institution. People, I guess, I guess now, so. Now, the thing is, is that like the, every custom controller, every colored controller that's been coming out now, none of them have colored face buttons. I wonder if my gray slate one does. You should look. My, it's a newer It's My a newer one color. that came with the 50 million edition doesn't have it. My one that uh, I have in there that's the orange and blue, the Goku one, as I call it, it has uh, white. The buttons are just white. Like, you know, it's a black plastic, but the white uh, actual shapes. So... 
Yeah, it, it's an interesting thing, but I still think that this comes down to extra edition controllers are fine, but I think people really like the idea of being able to buy the control or the controller that comes with the system having the color. You yeah, know what I mean? and this and is, I understand this is it mine is colored. Extent. I just looked it up. Yours are colored. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, Anyway, he says that, and he says, uh, one thing I do like about the controller is how they redid the light bar to be in the front. Yeah, cool. I'll say that, too. Yeah, like I really enjoy the light bar in this controller. Yeah, and he also brings up pricing and how he's a little worried that this is going to put it right there with the Joy-Cons and Pro Controllers for Switch, which are 70 oh, it, and 80 Oh, it will. Yeah. Without a doubt, this thing will cost $70 minimum. 70 minimum, yeah, is exactly where I land. Now, the other flip side one is actually something I want to talk about in this uh, for anybody who doesn't know, but I'll get to it in a minute. Mr. Josh Soup, he, uh, one of the longtime friends of the show, and he runs a couple of his own gaming podcast and uh, general podcast over at... Um, and Demon Gaming on Twitter. Well, he does Demon website. Gaming for... Yeah, but you can also check him on Beer City Media as their uh, podcasting thing. Uh, he does like a conspiracy theory podcast and some other stuff. They're pretty good. Go check them out. Uh, he says, I admit that at first glance, I didn't care for the controller. Not because of the design... Uh, of it necessarily my first thought was that it looks just like a ps4 controller again that's just the interesting thing yeah uh, it was the color scheme that bothered me but after a while it didn't bother me at all anymore we know that there are multiple colors that will come out over time i just hope that there is a way to customize i am cautiously excited for haptic feedback uh, I think this is a typo, but I'm going to try and get through it. He says, it, while it does sound exciting for me, I have to wonder about younger gamers or people with disabilities not being able to press a button all the way down because they lack the strength of their finger, which I think may be that there was a mistype or something in here or something autocorrected on a phone. I think he's talking about the triggers being pushed back. Cause it, what he goes on to say is that he hopes that they actually put something in that you can turn off depending on the game. Uh, and maybe just turn off in general if you don't like the resistive triggers. He says, while we're at it, though, I kind of wish that PlayStation would say that they are doing the same thing as Microsoft and letting us use peripherals from PS4 on the PS5, such as controllers. Right now, Josh, just want to let you know, that is true. They have said that the PS5, the PS5 will be able to use the PS4 controller. You won't get all of the benefits from it. You'll get essentially a version of instead of it being getting the haptic feedback, you'll just get that translated into vibration stuff, is what it seems like. But they have confirmed that you can use the DualShock Four on the PS Five. Yeah, uh, they actually you could use the DualShock ago. Three on the PS Four. I didn't think you could do that, but you can I'm use the DualShock sure Four on the PS Three. Maybe that's what I'm thinking about. Which is interesting. No, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, that's probably what I got mixed up because the DualShock Three doesn't have a touchpad, so that would probably make most games impossible to play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so he puts a little bit more on there. He says. Uh, and before we go there, I guess I do like that he's thinking about people who may have some problems to where the I love the idea of trigger resistance, but having the ability to turn that off so that you are more open to the biggest potential of games uh, gamers is is a good thing. And I really do hope and believe that that's probably been thought about. Yeah, and I I mean honestly I could see that like I could see where sometimes like I'd want to play a game and just kind of not have to worry about that. Yeah, so and- the ability to hopefully quickly and easily turn it off would be there. I, I think that PlayStation obviously has these thoughts because they've gone through and made it to where on PlayStation 4, as most people are aware, you can completely remap all the buttons on the controller. You can make X B O. You can make R1 be X. You can, any button that you have problems reaching that you need to use often, excuse me, you can remap. And I, I really appreciate that. I don't use it, but I like the idea because it just comes down to, for people that need it, it's there. For people who just want that extra layer of control, it's also there. And yeah. that's awesome. He goes on to say, though, I'll turn the question back around on you two, though. If you could customize and have a controller made of anything, including decal and color scheme, what would you guys make? 
He said he would go with a scarlet red and black himself. And I think that that would be really sharp. If what I think scarlet red on the handles where the white is and let the black be a really deep black on like that kind of grayish black in the dual sense, you know, picture. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I would have it so that the controller where it's white would be gray, slate gray, gray, kind of like the controller that I have. Sure. So it's, it's the metallic looking DualShock 4 that's gray uh, for the, for you guys uh, who don't know. And then the, uh, the, the black accents in it would be teal. Because teal is my favorite color, I typically do teal like around my game room and stuff in terms sure. of lights, so it match it match my game room. It have it match my game room and my it, my lighting in my desk, which is the same desk we use for the show. So feel you. Uh, this would never happen, but if I could make my own, like this really weird color thing is uh, actually, I guess it could happen if the near remaster makes it to PlayStation Five, uh, or if they just choose to do it. I would love to see a controller that has uh, the black scrawl from the original Nier, which I know you don't necessarily know what it looks like. I could go show you the case after this and kind of show you, but it's like a, it's almost like if you just stretched out and made a bunch of lines and ends with like the you known from Pokemon. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it's real compact in lines and it has little circles. It almost looks like an alien language and it scrawls up on people's bodies. I would love to see that coming up on the controller. Uh, and have a controller that had a lighter color and then let the black scrawl be black against it. So maybe have like a uh, a dark gray or a slate gray or something that that black could pop against or maybe even something like a, a blue or a teal and just have that coming up it. I think that'd be really cool. I like that kind of stuff, but I also like my, my the custom controllers to be just vague enough that you don't feel like it. Like if you know that it's related to a game, then you do, but otherwise it also just looks cool. Like sometimes controllers are a little bit too much into the game that they're doing, and it's like ah, if you don't really know much about the game, then it may not resonate with you. But I think that a lot of controllers have done really well. Like uh, the PlayStation Three had the Lightning Returns controller that, that just had beautiful. lightning all over the front yeah. of it. Well, I, yeah, I like the um, and it had thirteen on the back in Roman rocker. numerals. Yeah. yeah, and I was always like, that could be. Anything. It also had the trans, like almost like a transmission circle around the D pad, didn't it? Yes, it yeah, did. that's I love that controller. Yeah, it's one of, and it's crazy to me that we did not see a controller that interestingly designed for the PlayStation Four at all. <laughs> so it's a shame, but yeah, I'd love to see something like that. That'd be really cool. And actually, now that you've said that, maybe that's what they could do around the D pad on this one is uh, the near magic inscription, which is a circle that's yellow and glows and has these little rune things in it that actually goes out when you're doing magic. That'd at be near. cool. Yeah, it'd be cool if they made it so that like some of the touch pads in the games are translucent in some areas, so it kind of lights up. Like imagine a Castlevania having a transmute uh, transmute. Uh, transmutation circle and then it being on the being on the touchpad but that part of the touchpad's clear so that when it lights up it actually lights up yeah. through the touchpad yeah. that would be cool <laughs> there's a lot of i actually thought about that too as what if they decided to do more with the touchpad of now that the light's under it could they have it essentially be to where they make part of it clear so that that light would just shine through yeah that could work too. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Which they've already done on one, right? The touchpad for the new controllers. If you look, remember they have that little oh, yeah, tiny the little sliver. Line, yeah, the little line on the top. Yeah. So we've already kind of seen that they were probably looking to move the light bar more Upwards. towards the the user. That might be forward thinking too. If that is involved with anything that VR needs to do, which I doubt, but there could be a game kind of like Infamous where you turn it sideways and spray paint things. Ah. It could use that light on the front if you need, to like, say, if you need to wave out a flashlight or something, and that's the flashlight. Yeah, and I even though it's it, in a different cause... spot, it's still technically, even for like backwards compatibility, you should still be able to use Until Dawn, and you know it could still be able. Maybe you have to turn the controller like this real quick, but still otherwise mimic the keeping the light bar in the little yeah you know area. I can so. see that being kind of a cool thing. I yeah, doubt it, but it, it, you know 
Oh, well, thank you guys. We appreciate all the yes. feedback. And it's interesting that this has got, I'll, I'll give a shout out to Sony that even though I think people like Gideon and I understand that DualShock is a, I mean, it's one of those things where it's been around forever. Uh, and I was a little surprised that they changed it, but I like that in spirit, it's still the same idea. It's still DS. It's like, it's taking it and moving on with it in an evolved way. And Saul may be correct. Maybe we do still get DualShock. Maybe DualShock's not gone. Maybe it's just not the front runner controller anymore. Yeah. Maybe it's still an institution, but it's an institution in a different way. Yeah. And then the dual, the dual sense, like everything else Sony does gets discontinued one day. <laughs> <laughs> and well, this would be the first time that if they did make a DualShock five, and kept the dual sense. This would be the first time that Sony had built something that was, hey, for each console we're going to have a built-in Sony-made budget option. I don't think this is if they're going to if there is going to be a DualShock Five, this is not going to come with consoles. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, this will be a completely separate thing. It's like, hey, if you want, if you prefer this idea of a controller, if you want extra controllers, but you don't want to spend seventy to eighty dollars, we're going to give you the DualShock Five, which has a, a lot of the same benefits, maybe as a redesign that's a little closer. Uh, but it's not going to have haptic feedback. Maybe it will have a natural motor in it. And what we're going to do is that'll be a $50 controller. And you can save money on still a great, well-made name brand controller that's from us instead of and and keeping all the functionality you'd want like being able to turn the console on with the playstation button Speaking which is which, a huge deal with right now on playstation 4 i just found something out with the playstation 4's controller today that you can hold it for 10 seconds yes. to turn it off did you know that yes I, did, I, I is it weird that i knew that that's what you were talking about yeah because uh there's a push square article on twitter about it i was like that's it's it's so useless because it takes longer to do that Okay, it's not useless for one thing, and I don't think people are thinking about it. One-handed or like reaching well, over that's and just that holding too. it down. But it's two things. Uh, just ease of use and not having to worry about it. Like Hannah doesn't have to remember the menu or know where to go. I, I just told her, hold it for 10 seconds. If you can remember off. to hold a button down for 10 seconds, you can remember how to navigate the menu. It's just easier when you don't have to think about it. Like maybe she's doing something, and like you said, one-handed. She can just hold over, still be on her phone, and just hold it for 10 seconds, it'll turn off. I guess so. The other thing I think people don't think about often enough is couch co-op. If you're playing a game and you have four controllers connected, instead of having to go through that menu setting over and over yeah. and over, you could just still be doing what you're doing, and without having to bring up a menu, they can just hold it down. How many games nowadays have couch co-op, though? Uh, there's a brand new game that just came out on the PlayStation Network uh, that has only couch co-op and not an online Oh, version. yeah. Didn't that make Atlas uh, Unchained angry? Or was that... Who was that that <laughs> it, got angry? It was... I mean, I think Atlas may have said something about it. He said he likes couch co-op, um, but it was SJ Swanland. Oh, okay. SJ Swanland, so... Yeah. Old Stefan. But we appreciate you guys. Glad that y'all gave us such feedback, and it's it's interesting seeing what people are doing. I mean are seeing the way people feel about this because it is a big change. But where I was going with the Sony thing is it feels like Sony is really putting all of their balls in the air. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like we are going to be ballsy and making big changes and hoping that by the time it's all said and done, everybody settles back down to being still on our team. Yeah. And I mean, I, I could see that. That, that. Almost I always feel like that that's a thing with every console launch in a way. I don't feel like we got that with either PlayStation 4 or or Xbox One, realistically. No, but we got it with the with the the 360 and PS3. Yeah, the, uh, the uh, removable hard drives and stuff for the uh, 360, and then the weird the the weird uh, console iterations that thing had that Microsoft doesn't is not really known for. There's only ever one Xbox original, um, and then you have PlayStation doing stuff with DualShock, and then uh, the six axis stuff, which was brand new to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there you, was think, a lot you ever more. think we're gonna get seven axis? <laughs> Is the dual is the dual sense the seventh axis? <laughs> the, the sixth sense, seventh axis. Uh, 
Good Lord. All right. Um, that's why it's called the dual sense. They're going to bring the sixth sense. That's what it is. Get out of here. All right. And you're going to learn that Bruce Willis would. I, can, I, can I spoil the sixth sense? <laughs> I think everybody knows at this point. Yeah. It's, it's like a pop culture reference now. Yeah. It's almost like Darth Vader and Double Door and all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thank you, guys. We're going to go ahead and hop over into the news, though. Uh, and we're going to save these other two to round out the show. But first off, PS4 exclusive, or PS5 rather, sorry, exclusive Godfall, revealed during the Game Awards last year, for anybody who doesn't remember, is reportedly being tailored to run on Sony's next-gen console, according to the studio behind it, completely ruling out the potential for a PlayStation 4 cross-generation release. The game is coming to PC, so it's unlikely that it'll tap into the PlayStation 5's tech so heavily. Um that it would be impossible for it to release on the Xbox Series X mm-hmm. at some point, if that ever does come to be a thing. Um, but to me, it is a little unfortunate that I would have really loved to see Godfall be a 100% exclusive. My hope with the whole generation that's going on right now, and why I'm so excited about this generation, is the consoles are so vastly different. And like I said, what I'm will, what I'm wanting to see is games be truly exclusive because of the fact that they have to be exclusive. I want a game that's made for both consoles. That's fine. I want one that's looking in and going, we want the absolute brute power of what Xbox can offer from a sheer teraflops standpoint and raw power. And on PlayStation 5, you have people going, we're going to make a game that taps into the PlayStation 5's unmatched and unparalleled speed at which it can pull a world together. So we're going to make a game that's completely tailored around that ability. And that means it would be very hard for it to play on any other hardware. And that, because to me, it makes more exciting games. Godfall is one of those games that I'm still kind of iffy about. Like it looks, it looks kind of like what Warframe looked like when the PS5 or 4 launched Mm -hmm. and i don't know if i'm gonna be into it but i'll try it yeah i'm gonna try it for sure as well uh for anybody though that's interested there's a interview that they just recently did with uh the playstation the official playstation magazine uh the studio in that spoke on the inspiration behind the game with a play style set to resemble dark souls meets monster hunter world which i really liked that's where they chose to describe it yeah that's a that's a cool description uh and interestingly i didn't know this some ex bungie developers that worked on destiny 2 are also involved with the game that could be a good thing or a bad thing exactly <laughs> it's like good thing in that a known game in the genre is has developers from that in there and i like that they're being inspired by monster hunter world which i think is a very weird version of the same warframe dark uh warframe destiny uh division genre where it's like it's a game that you keep playing but in a very different sense yeah i'm just curious to how linear this game is going to be because the trailers made it look like the area you were in were kind of linear or small from what we've seen well it's hard to say because it looks like a lot of them are around like towers so it's like is it going to be big vertically that's what I'm. Yeah, like I don't know, like how this game. Like I'm, I'm just gonna keep my eye on it. Cause and it's is that like late game? You know, is it? Are, are we gonna see sprawling areas before that? And what we're actually seeing is like the iconic parts of the game of like these god towers or whatever they're gonna call them. Yeah, you know, maybe. Uh, either way, I hope that that ends up being the thing. Uh, this next piece actually sounds interesting. And also from the name. <laughs> Yeah, but, that's, that's uh, what gets me. As next-gen draws, uh, draws closer, we're, of course, learning about more games. So we know about Godfall, but a new PS5 game from developer Pixelmad Games out of Germany has been revealed titled Soulborn. Wonder what they were trying to do there. Do you think that was just like a they didn't even think about it and they did it? Or were you thinking they are like, hey, wouldn't it be really cool if we if people talk about Soulsborn games? What if we made a game called Soulborn? It's one of the, it's one of the two. <laughs> 
And I feel like if it's for the lack of the second one, this game's going to be terrible. And they're just hoping to get clicks on Steam or whatever it's going to be on for it. What I like about this, though, is that with the name, it's not drawing inspiration from the Dark Souls series. That's what's even weirder. <laughs> but we'll go there. It, it, the name makes sense to what the world's about, though. So it takes inspiration from Legend of Zelda uh, alongside The Witcher. These are their two big influences. The game is an open-world RPG that is being developed in the Unreal Engine and puts players in Midgard the world of men with the goal of stopping the Nidhogger from devouring. And I may have butchered the way that that's said, but you know, uh, from devouring that world, the game is aiming for a late 2021 release. So it's not going to be a launch title, but it is interesting that we're finally starting to see other games for next gen outside of the token few that the, the platform holders have chosen to kind of showcase. Um, you actually said the name perfectly. Did I? Yeah, that's awesome. a, I was actually I was actually uh now, I knew Nid, Nidhogg was right because there's so many other we're in that point where gaming has been around and definitely this generation has let so many people make games that all of these things are things you've heard referenced in other games. I just now realized something. What's that? I don't know if it's true or not. You can go ahead with the news. This is gonna be something on my my end. Well either way, Nidhogg is the game, you know the game where you fight and you try and drive the other people to the edge of the ring the arena so the big giant space worm will eat them. Yeah. That is what Nidhogg is, and this is a reference. you know, it's all based around uh Essentially, in Midgard, this is all based around Norse mythology. So it's funny that these are all things that most people are aware of now in some way, shape, or form. Of course, God of War did a lot to bring people forward on uh, Norse mythology and all these things. So we'll see. Uh, next up, though, lastly for PS5, it appears that the long-in-development hell, Dead Island 2, is de being developed as a cross-generation effort now uh, for PS4 and PS5 and, of course, Xbox and the uh, uh, Series X. Uh a job listing for the title hints at this by describing the game as, quote, <clears throat> a groundbreaking title for current and future platforms. Um, so the way that they choose to go about this is going to be interesting. This kind of exists in what I've talked about where games as a service, now that they've become so big this gen, what do they do in the move to next gen? Yeah. Um, like, does Destiny decide to buckle down and release Destiny 3 with the launch of the gen and I think so. merge Destiny 2 with it? Or does Destiny 2 just get re-released for... Or because of backwards compatibility, is that gone? I think with backwards compatibility being on both systems now, I think that they're just going to prepare to optimize it even better. Mm -hmm. If <laughs> Bungie's come over a lot of fire lately, and if they don't hit 60 frames per second on PS5, I think a lot of people are just going to either quit altogether because they don't want to move to PC. Mm -hmm. But that's still like one of the things is the game is continuing to develop frame rate issues and loading problems where it just takes forever to get into certain things. Oh, it's getting worse as the game gets it's larger. Getting, yeah, it's getting worse as the game gets larger in size in both scope of world and file size. But, um, yeah, I could definitely see like that being a problem for them mm -hmm. if they don't optimize it. Yeah, but things like Monster Hunter World, which looks like Monster Hunter World is probably okay with the idea of just continuing to add $60 expansions that are essentially a whole new game, but they keep building in the same world. And I, I it's almost, the same thing. Do they technically re-release it for PS5? But if you have it on PS4, you just it downloads the PS5 version and plays that with yeah, getting the like getting the um, license check from the disc. I could see Possibly, that. Yeah, you know, uh, that would work, and I think it would give them what they need to be able to be like, hey, we're gonna get, we're gonna continue growing this game in massive size. But now you're gonna get a game that looks and performs like you would expect a PlayStation Five game to run. Fair enough. Uh, next up, the Danganronpa series. Tenth anniversary is this year alongside the uh, near anniversary. Uh, and with the first title releasing on PSP in 2010, uh, which I remember. I didn't play it, but I remember. Isn't that what technically... No, I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna get somebody to hate me. Isn't that what Trigger Happy Havoc is? Uh, 
Uh, was Trevor Happy having a remake of it? That's what I'm saying. Like, I can't. I never played the first one on PSP. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Anyway, the publisher promises a year celebrating the series with plans for monthly commemorative programs that they announced a little earlier in the year, new goods and merch, and the next game in the series, <clears throat> excuse me, the next game in the series being teased uh, before too long. So that's cool. I like when they do these 10-year anniversaries and it lasts for more than just the, a, a single month or something. It was Trigger Happy Havoc. Cool. All right, next thing up, Cyberpunk 2077's development is going smooth according to CD Projekt Red, but localization efforts have slowed as they reach the end of recording the actors due to the current climate with the outbreak. The developers aren't worried that it will delay the game, rather the worst case scenario being that the, uh, a little bit of missing recordings would have to be added via a day one update for the game. Now this is kind of interesting because I think that this is fine, and as far as I know, I've never seen a day one update Contain voice files? Yeah, yeah, maybe outside of like a day one update that adds Japanese voice files, maybe. But what's interesting about this is kind of tapping back into, uh, do you remember Days Gone's review time period where they got a really weird version of the game and the day one update really would have made a better review situation? I wonder how reviews are going to be affected by just how much missing dialogue there is. I think, and well, what does that do to the experience? Is it going to be just uh, subtitles that fill in that missing until the day one update hits? Maybe so. Most of them will probably end up being in development, like review and development or something for the game until it gets fixed. Sure. But, but like, that's the thing, like, is, is that if they're coming out and saying, like, hey, guys, because of this worldwide pandemic going on, you're still going to get the game on time, but you may have no audio. Does that... I think it takes a really crappy reviewer to actually crap on that. Oh, I, I agree. Because of everything going on. And you know what kind of makes me upset about this? Why can't Naughty Dog do this with Last of Us 2? What do you mean? We don't even know when that game's coming out now, and, and Cyberpunk's still delivering a game that is objectively larger in scale. Yeah. And yet... Well, do you know what the real reason is? I mean, it's not Naughty Dog, it's Sony. And I don't blame them. Is I it? understand it. Yeah, what it is... Oh, it's probably money-related. It is money. Yeah. The Last of Us is one of their biggest franchises. And even Iron Man is a big deal for VR. And the thing is, is those types of games, when you have the budget that's been put behind them, you want the biggest day one you can get. Uh, I guarantee you and they when the, still have a large day one. With, with the economy seven. being what it is and people who can't do digital not being able to get it, it's going to affect it. There's, there's no way it will be as good as it would have otherwise been. And that actually comes back into a thing where, you know, people are often quick to think, to quick to completely let off of the fact that people go and get physical copies. People are like, well, why would it matter? Uh, Final Fantasy VII is releasing. Well, its physical copies were already produced. Now, of course, getting them out was kind of weird, but it was already in production when all this hit, so there was no reason not to go along with it. The problem with The Last of Us is that it's going to have to be printed on physical disc. So is Cyberpunk. Of course. Both, all of them are, but Cyberpunk's also further out, and that this situation could change. But as for Sony, they're looking at it like this. Definitely since a single-player game, which still applies to cyberpunk yeah i was gonna say it makes for a really interesting situation for cyberpunk if anything i'd say it's worse for cyberpunk if they choose to release this way with who knows how many voice uh, options missing with the idea of assuring everyone that it'll come via day one patch for people who do buy physical because they do not have internet this is going to be a problem for them for a game that was otherwise not supposed to be a problem for them because it's like hey here it is a big single player game there's no online multiplayer at all here you are this is what you're getting or there is online multiplayer, but it's not part of the... It's weird, but you know what I mean. So when you're going through stuff like that, and I only think about it because of how many people I work with who play games, who constantly talk to us about the fact that 
they don't have internet or their internet so is bad crazy. that it doesn't work. Like you, there'd be, it would essentially recording 30 gigs worth of voice, depending on I what that highly is, doubt depending that's, on that's, what it is. That's a whole game of voice lines. Oh man, you don't realize how much, it depends oh, on how much they're missing. No. But you also don't realize how much wave files take up room. Oh, they do take up room, they but not, up, they're huge. That, that's not that. 30 gigs though, that's probably. That was probably oversell. But my point, let's just say 14 gigs. 14 gigs that's for some people is a lot. crazy. Yeah. Dude, there's day one updates for games that are eight gigs. Yeah, but they're not all voice files. <laughs> so they're what, not all voice files. Do you at think all? that this is going to only be voice files? That's what it says. But the rest of the day one update will still have patch fixes. And stuff yeah, like but that. I mean, but still. Yeah. Look, my point being, when it comes into that, I can we were it. we were almost those people. That's what's crazy. You remember my house out in the country? Ten houses down, they don't know how, they don't have cable one. They just don't. Stop living in nowhere land. <laughs> Move to a society. <laughs> We live in one. <laughs> I was going to say it. I'm glad you did. Uh, so anyway, weird situation for it, but I hope it works out for everybody in the long run. And as for Sony, yeah, it sucks we're not going to The Last of Us, or at least right now there's no telling when we're going to get it. But I don't blame them. They're a corporation trying to make money in, in a way. The only upside to it would be that people would have a real, depending on how much longer this goes, if we're still head down in this in May, uh, then people would be really. It'd be great for people to have this great game to play. But you I don't. Know, originally, I was thinking we wouldn't be, but it's it's almost the middle of April. Yeah, <laughs> and it just keeps changed. Going. Okay, next up on the list is lapsed No Man's Sky players may have a reason to go back to the game yet again with the recent release of the Exomech update. The new update adds a mech called the Minotaur that brings some changes to gameplay for those who choose to use it. Uh, the exosuit has advanced jumping capabilities that brings a new sense of speed and excitement to on foot travel. Uh, exploration can go on with less interruptions due to mech's immunity to all planetary hazards, while also still being able to collect materials directly and mine. With its mining laser able to be upgraded to a terrain manipulator, letting players carve out the planet even faster and more efficiently than before, the update brings some non-mech-based updates to other exocrafts and customization options. Lastly, some visual improvements were brought forth as well. i got to give a shout-out to No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky they just keep adding and adding and adding, dude. Not even that. I feel like almost every update has graphical improvements. And almost every time yeah. I come back to the game, I'm like, oh, wow, this actually looks notably better. See, if I enjoyed the the circle that is no man's sky's gameplay loop that i would i would love that game i enjoy it but it's like i enjoy it for 20 hours at a time i enjoy it for 20 minutes at a time and then i'm done with it for a long time <laughs> um i do hope though what they add in with this mech thing is they start adding sea stuff in whether you can go into these deep dark caverns underwater on these planets and have like sea pods kind of like subnautica i thought they've already done that i don't think so deep i don't i mean deep sea exploration like it's so black you can't see where you're going unless you have lights on your little pod if they have, then holy crap. Exploring the deep oceans of a fro. Yeah, look. Which, I mean, we can look at it more in depth as we get going, but. Whoa. Going to mute that. Uh, but there is 100%. I, I knew that they had added in deep uh, ocean travel. Because you know what? You know what would make. That is pretty cool, actually. I did not know that was in the game. That's essentially what you're talking about. You know what would, well, kind of. Uh, I want big old sea monsters. Like sure, and I think that they do have those, actually. Why is this game not a horror game? This would be amazing, right? Like, there would be alien forces looming on the atmosphere as you're on planets, and and it's, yeah, that's pretty terrifying. So dark. But um, it's one of those things that, like, this would, be, this, would, this would be a really cool survival horror game. I could see that, actually. And who knows? They may get to a point where they have a mode that is essentially that. I would love it because <clears throat> you know what 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 still is one of the coolest things that I've ever heard about video games 
is that literally people have been playing uh, Elite Dangerous for years, and then some person went to the, just the right spot in the solar system, and there's an alien ship, and that's the only one in the game. He's the only person who have ever seen it, and that just is so cool. And it's been confirmed that it was in the game with the developers. They're like, this no, is, this they is like finally five, found it. Yeah, this is like five years ago. And yeah. well, they don't know when it got put into the game. They don't know any of that stuff. But like, literally, dude was flying around in a ship, and then he hyperspace and then landed, and there's an alien ship. I forgot the Krell or something. I forgot what their aliens are called in that game. But it's just sitting there, and it's 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 ominous looking, dude. I would. It's kind of like the Bloodborne moment that happens with Bloodborne, where you kind of crap your pants and you realize what's going on. Yeah. I would probably crap my pants at seeing something like that. <laughs> While you're looking that up, the last thing we have on here is that more game delays come in since we were talking about that. Uh, though this one is quite minor as it stands because the Elder Scrolls Online planned uh, Greymore expansion has been hit a little with the shift of most studios to a work-from-home setup, including them. The studio currently thinks they will be able to ship the expansion about a week after their original planned date with the release on track to hit on April 20th. Though they promise to, communi- to communicate if any unexpected problems further delay that current estimate but <clears throat> Saul's over here looking at alien ships I'm actually kind of excited to see this because I've actually never even seen anybody play Elite Dangerous oh dude it's it's such a good game I remember you said you played it and ran out of gas honestly dude I ran out of gas and I had to go to a forum to fi- have somebody come get me <laughs> I'm not joking I like that in the weirdest of ways but see I'm really I don't surprised. have the time for that Ryan but... if you listen to this you need to look at Elite Dangerous I think Ryan would really love it Elite Dangerous and how dude I'm telling you the game is so technical to play it's almost like flight simulator but for spaceships and it's so cool but yeah like dude starts hyperspacing or hyper jumping through space and then all of a sudden something knocks him out of hyperspace. His stuff's flickering. This stuff is not supposed to happen. It's almost like it's a scripted event that only ever happened to one person. And you're just, just happened to be in the exact spot. Yeah. And you're just on the, you're on the brink of, uh, I'm going to play this game again. You're on the brink of uh, just some unknown place in space and it's dark. And then all of a sudden you're just sitting there. And then as you're, as you're sitting there, everything starts shaking and stuff. And then the aliens just show up and it's such like that would induce so much terror to me. Just be, it's kind of hard to see because how dark it is in there, but he's like looking around his cockpit, like, what is going on? Like, he, I don't know if this music's in the game or if he edited it in because it's normally very quiet. Wow. In, in there. But yeah, then there's, there's another person who got warped over here who's, uh, I think that's an NPC that, ha- that started all of this. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things of like, it's a lot like No Man's Sky and just look and sound, oh my god. Yeah, just have that thing like out in space just cart fly it over you and having no idea what it is. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Because that's not supposed to be in the game. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. But, I mean, it, it, that's the fun thing about games. You can patch stuff and not even say what you're putting in the game. Yeah. And if you're not if you don't have one of those games where people are constantly trying to, to reverse Yeah, to reverse the code and data mine it, then then you'll then they'll, they'll never know. Yeah, that's really cool. But then again, the problem is you can only do that like once because now that they've done that, I'm sure there are people that actually are like looking at every update to be like, what if they added? Yeah, it was about three years ago. So not five, like I said, but yeah, three years ago is when that happened. All right, we got two more to talk about here, and they are very Resident Evil heavy. So we're going to start off the first one, which is fresh off of the a remake of Resident Evil 3. The rumor mill is churning with a likely rumor from VideoGamesChronicle.com. The report states that Capcom has pushed a remake of Resident Evil 4 into full production that has been in production since 2018 with an intended release window of 2022. Development will be handled primarily by M-2, which is one of the support studios behind Resident Evil 3 as they kind of of we're getting settled to eventually work on their full-on project, which is Resident Evil 4, which makes sense. Um, 
The new studio is formed by former Platinum Games head Tatsuya Minami, but with support from Capcom's internal studios uh, to help with the game, much like they did with the Resident Evil 3 remake. The report claims that the remake is on go with the blessing of the original game director, Shinji Mikami, further stating that he declined the offer to lead the project himself, but has given informal advice on how he thinks it should be directed. So... I have to, this is going to be very unprofessional of me, but I have to cut off real quick because you said Platinum, and it reminded me of what we were talking about last episode with Hideki, one of the game directors who blocks everybody. Uh, I got bored the other day, and I was like going through his Twitter, kind of just looking at it. Uh, there was a funny video of him that somebody recorded, and it was posted by Platinum's uh, checkmarked Twitter, and he saw it, he blocked them. <laughs> he blocked his own company's Twitter. <laughs> But um, I, had, I just had to bring that out there because it made me chuckle. But yeah, it's funny. To um, go back to this though, I am super excited. Uh, I think it's almost <laughs> there's almost unneeded because there's been like three or four different renditions of this game at this point. That you had it on the GameCube that launched, then you had it on PlayStation Two, then you had it on the Wii, then you had it on all these new consoles that are out now. Yeah, and the Wii PC. version, the PlayStation Two version had a lot of extra content that the GameCube one didn't have. The yeah. Wii one had all that content brought back in, but with motion control shooting. And I think. No, I was going to say, I think there was something else new in Wii, wasn't there? Wasn't there something added? I like think a you gun? might be right, but I didn't play it on Wii because I, I didn't want to deal with motion controls. I know that was Michael's favorite iteration of the game. Interesting. Yeah. It was very pixelated. It looked worse than the GameCube version was the weird part. The Wii is just not a powerful system. <laughs> well, it's a, essentially Some a of the games that came out of GameCube look fantastic. Yeah, Resident Evil 4 was one of them. It's yeah. a really pretty game, actually. It looked better on. It looked a lot better on GameCube than it did on PlayStation 2, uh, which the GameCube was more powerful than the PlayStation 2, so it's fair. Yeah. Uh, the thing about this is I'm kind of in the boat as you of, like, I'm excited, and I'll totally play it, but I yeah, think that this is a weird choice for them because I understood remaking one. I understood remaking two and three fully. Yeah. My weird thing here is why did they choose to remake one essentially as exactly the same game yeah but then they, but then two and three are massive overhauls and then they go to four without ever going back to one or they they don't do um, I know code veronica yeah code veronica or they, they haven't done um there's other games that probably need the remake treatment more than four yeah and that's kind of where i stand i'm excited because i like four but it's a weird move because i feel like four is the poster child for resident evil for a number of reasons well the reason I look at it that way is that 4 is the diverging point for most people. It's it's the only game in the series that made big changes that both groups seem to like. People who liked Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3 most of the time still like 4. People who like 5, 6, and 7 I don't know who those people are. really are, are ter- perfectly fine with 4. So it's like it's the bridging ground for I, the two different styles of Resident Evil that people like. I've seen people blame 4 for all the stuff that 6 brought to the series and 5. I mean, you can, it makes sense. I've seen people do it, but that's a far lesser sentiment than people who are just like, in general, I've seen more people say that 5 was the real falling off point. 5 was like if they, if they tried making 4, but incredibly action heavy. Have you seen what it looks like on 5 when they take off the filter that they use? No. They, they use a filter on five, and it's kind of like this greenish, grayish filter or whatever. And when you take it off, it looks amazing compared to what it looks like without it. Uh, oh, you mean with it? or So are you saying the filter helps or hurts it? it the filter hurts it. Okay. The so. original way the game... Like, look at this. Look at how beautiful this game is. This is not how five... Oh, that's a freaking video. That's fine. But I guess that goes to the point of... Wow, that is surprisingly good looking. But I guess it's not gloomy enough for a Resident Evil game, right? I mean, four, four was kind of grayish. Four is gray and cold. I loved and it. And cold, but like that's to me like when you think about it, like 
technically. But that almost, if I'm being honest, that almost looks like an Uncharted game because it's so colorful. It kind of does. But it looks fantastic. It does look it. good. I'll give you that. But uh, it, it, it looks really colorful. So I don't blame actual... them for what they chose to do. Um, but Somebody yeah. has a comparison shot. Go yeah, look that it, up if you're interested in it. It looks cool. And I, and I love 4. 4, because like I've said before, 4 was the first Resident Evil game I actually sunk my teeth into. Hmm? And 3 was for me. Was it? Yeah. I'm surprised you haven't gotten the remake yet. It is a short game, and it's kind of expensive. I want to get it for $40. I know this sounds weird, but because I'm being so cautious with my money these days, and I have no interest for the online, I am willing to pay $40 for RE3. I'm totally excited for it, but I can wait a little bit to play it. I have a, a very hot take. And I don't even mean it's short in a crazy way. You know how much like I, you know I love the Order 1886, and I don't mind that I spent $60 on it, but I'd never played the Order 1886 at all before, and even though it was 11 hours in my estimation and from my playtime, this game is roughly about eight. Man, I I thought this one day, just joking around, now I can't unsee it. Natalie Portman? <laughs> no, who does, that, who does that look like to you? Looks like Jonathan. <laughs> Looks like a, like if Jonathan had a little too a little too much estrogen, <laughs> doesn't it? Or am I alone on that? Am I crazy? Yeah, a little bit. I also said Roche from Five Aces Every makes look like Dylan Sprouse. I kind of see that a little bit too. It, it, it's in the way he when you get to that in the game, you're gonna be like, dang, Saul's kind of right about that because it's the way he acts. <laughs> the pictures don't do any injustice. But um, I'm yeah, I'm excited, you know, to see what they do with it. I'll play it 100. percent Like I, I know this sounds weird. I feel like this one needs the least amount of changes, and that's the crazy thing to me. I think the way to really pull this off for everybody is to do what Final Fan- what I think some people really wanted from Final Fantasy VII, which is the whole game remade from the ground up, but it's the exact game. What's crazy with only better graphics? I think, but it just depends because some people would argue then. Well, what's the point of remaking it if it's the exact same thing with better graphics? But that's kind of like, well, why, why remake? Well, that's what the what, uh, that's why, what, why remake Shadow of the Colossus? The same thing with better graphics. Well, it's it's fun to replay it. That that's technically that what experience. the um, the remake or the the remaster for that is is four K sixty frames per second for Resident Evil Four. Uh, the PlayStation Four version. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'd be really surprised. I, I think the PlayStation 4 version is just the, the PS3 version in 1080p. And that, and that might be. Because um, the, PS4, the PS3 version was 720p, I'm fairly positive. So. But I know that that thing was snappy. Like It's guaranteed 100. The game was already frames. smooth. It's, it's been 60 frames. The uh, game was 60 frames on GameCube, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I don't think it was. I'm going to look that up. But um, it's one of those things that's just, to me, I was like, this game looks so clean and textured i just don't know what the resolution is resident Evil 4 is more than 10 years old now that's crazy to think about huh, it is 30 second 30 frames per second on gamecube and on ps2 i say i never played the ps2 version so if that was 68 I, I okay they're both they're both uh 1080p uh, neither port features any anti-aliasing though. Ooh, now that's something to think about. Is sometimes when you do with frame rate things, games are designed for a thirty rate, a thirty uh, frames per second rate. So actually introducing sixty frames per second can mess them up. Yeah, that was a problem in Kingdom Hearts. A lot of things are tied to that, where it's um, 
Game speed is tied to it. Ah, here we are. So look, Resident Evil 4 has some issues with frame rate. This is a PS4 version and Xbox One. Uh, while the game runs at 60 frames per second, the Andy, uh, the Andy, the animations are designed for 30 frames per second. It's not a big issue though. Gameplay wise, it's a much smoother experience. Turning off motion blur is recommended because of the disparity between animation and frame rate. I bet that game would be really well done on Switch. I know it's on there. I've always wanted to pick it up, but I, I've bought it at this point four times in my life. I've played that game so many times. It's incredible. Wait, I did play that on PS2. It, it had all the it had extra bosses and different encounters. Yeah, that weren't ever in the, uh, the the GameCube version. Did the GameCube version have? The, I played the uh, PS2 version first. So playing the GameCube version later at Tyler McCusker's house, I was like, "What?" First of all, because it looked way better. <laughs> was the did the GameCube version have the uh, stars horde mode, or was that a PS2 thing? Oh, um, the the where you played as Hunk. Uh, it wasn't the horde mode necessarily. It was the I, I don't know about hunk. Actually, you might be right. I'm not sure. the The GameCube version had I'm fairly positive because I remember playing it. It had the mercenaries. Uh, that's what I'm talking mission. about. Yeah, mercenaries. Yeah. That's, um, that's the PS2 version. Of course, had that as well. Okay. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I can't remember if GameCube had it or not. Yeah. Um, but I guess we'll get in this last bit of Resident Evil news, right? All right. Yeah. So essentially, that you know what that's probably going to be the community's take, but. I'm going to go ahead and throw that there. Yeah. Do you think Resident Evil 4 should be remade? And if so, how? Should it ha- have some creative liberties taken, like what happened with Resident Evil 2 and 3? Or should it be more like the Shadow of the Colossus remake, where it's a from the ground up graphical remake? There's a part in Resident Evil 4 where it gets dark outside. If they could make that even more scary and, and really do some lighting and atmosphere changes, I think that Resident Evil 4, people say Resident Evil 4 is not scary. It's not about being scared. No, it's tense. Yeah, it's about being tense. It's about running and having something chase you or having those guys run at you real quick or the chainsaw guy revving up around you. I, I was never scared, oh but I was like crapping my pants running away from that thing. And and Resident Evil 4 being a PS5 game, hopefully. That'd be cool. Dude, that new audio engine, that may really sell the... It, depending on how well it works, yeah. we don't know. But that Tempest audio engine, that may really sell the chainsaw suddenly coming in yeah. there and ripping. It may scare you even more than the original did. Not scare you, but it, it, it's not about scare. It's about like the... It, it's like the dread of knowing that he's there. It's yeah. not even that you're scared. It's just like, ah, now I know i got to deal with him. Also, the cultist members of Resident Evil 4 are my favorite uh, enemies of uh, the zombie style game. Would you want them to redesign the head bursting sound or leave it alone? Because I kind of like it. Improve it. <laughs> if you can improve it, make it sound like a, a jar of Prego smashing against a, a hot summer sidewalk. <laughs> Uh, okay, so following with more Resident Evil, there have been reports and rumors that Resident Evil 8 is coming in 2021, titled Resident Evil 8 Village. Uh, this is stylized with the first four letters of Village being the Roman numerals for 8, much like they did with the Resident Evil 7 logo. Right now, the rumor states that this is a working title, but as we've seen done before, working titles can quickly become the real title. Yeah. Uh, and I think that this is actually a cool idea. So... And I believe a lot of this is true. There's been a lot of uh, testers who are talking about the way the game feels and plays. There was some rumors and reports going on that the game originally started life as Resident Evil Revelations 3, but it playtested so well that people really liked it. They decided to retool it into a mainline series game. Uh, I know a lot of people want that. that. The Revelation games are good. They are. Uh, Anyway, uh, it's... 
See, the game will apparently be a cross-generation release, which makes sense for 2021. It'll be a PS4 and PS5 game, as well as Xbox One uh, X and Series S and all that, Series X. We'll see players also take on the role of Ethan Winters again, who is the protagonist, uh, or at least one of the protagonists, from Resident Evil 7, and it'll be set in Europe. A witch will reportedly hunt down players similar to Mr. X. And now this is kind of the weird thing. Unlike Mr. X and Nemesis, who are not supposed to be able to be killed when they're chasing you, this game, you can kill the witch, but she's a recurring thing because by do, what's going on, it's like she's sending a projection to you, and when you kill it, it, it supposedly turns into bugs, kind of like Oogie Boogie, just kind of falls apart. Yeah, uh, and it's bugs. So I like that idea because one of the things that kind of gets a little boring about the Mister X thing, I get it, it is tense that you can't kill him, but it's kind of like Dead Space had the same thing where there was something that would chase you that you couldn't kill. Uh, and it would break through walls and all sorts of stuff. Dead Space was obviously clearly inspired by Resident Evil. Yeah. Um, but I like the idea of actually being able to temporarily put an end to it. Because it's almost more scary that you know you can kill it, but it's not the end. It's like you get that brief moment of relief before the ex- existential dread sets back in that it's not actually over. Yeah, and it, it may come down to like a moral thing, too, of like, do I want to waste ammo on this thing or just mm-hmm. run from it? Yeah, from a gameplay standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, do you choose to waste ammo? Which is already what Mr. X was, right? It's Pretty like, much, yeah. It's like, do you waste ammo capping him to get him down so he's easier to get away from? Or do you try and just be as stinky I will as say, you can? most Mr. Uh, uh, X and supposedly Nemesis as well in Resident Evil Three. Those those encounters like you, you kind of have to waste ammo in some parts of them. Like they're in your like they're literally in your way, and the only way to get around them is to waste ammo. I never felt that in two. I felt that way in two in one very specific instance, and it involved the the upper library, the area that's that, that leads you to to the upper library. Yeah, that crap that that almost made me crap my pants when I saw him <laughs> up there this, that time. The crazy thing about him is like when you'd hear footsteps all the time and you'd be like, ah, like the first couple of times, it's like the game sets you into like a false sense of security. It's like, oh, I hear him, but he never ends up showing up. Yeah. And then suddenly you hear him and you're like, ah, oh, he's probably not around. And you turn around and he's like, bam, right there. Uh-huh. It's like crap. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, uh, let's see. With that, Chris Redfield will play an important role in the game, which anybody who's played 7, of course, knows that he was brought back in there. And he was in 7? He was in 7, and he had a character redesign that people had a conspiracy theory about, but Capcom came around and explained why he had a redesign. Uh, and he had a came, redesign from 7 to 8 or in he, 7? Well, he both. He had a redesign when he was introduced in 7 from the last time we saw him in 5 and 6, but he also is going to have a redesign again in 8. And we don't know why, uh, necessarily. The reasoning that Capcom gave for his redesign in seven was that because of the change they made in the game where they did not hand they did not hand draw and make every character like they did with four, five, and six, which led you to like the ridiculously swole as hell Chris yeah. that really wasn't realistic. The, the gears because of, work, of the tone of seven that they wanted and it was gonna be way more realistic, they wanted their characters to look realistic. So all of the well, characters be, were fair. photo uh photo trace or whatever they call it. It was like they took photo scanning to create the faces of everybody. To be fair, you only saw Chris in a helicopter suit. Yeah. Like you didn't see him in his classic outfit of any kind. He was in his little he was in his stars like outfit suit that he was in when he jumped down from the helicopter, wasn't he? What do you mean throughout five or No, I'm talking about in the end of seven. Oh. 
I know the ending. I said I was joking whenever I said about Chris. I was about to say, I was like, I, yeah. I, I, I didn't know if you played Seven. I couldn't remember. No, I just watched the okay. ending on, online. Really good game. <laughs> Actually, that's, that's one of those games that, like, I kind of want to play it again more than I want to play Resident Evil 3, which is weird. Well, that's one of those games that no matter, you know, the story on the, 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 the game, the story is, or the game is not about the story. It's about the experience you have while playing it. The story is there. The story is good. The story is good. Yeah, I'll give them that. It's kind of weird I, with, the, with, not your girlfriend, the other girl. I can't think of her name. Oh, the short haired um, girl. Yeah, I can't think of it either. She's right now. she's another um, Resident Evil Seven spoilers if you haven't played it. I but, don't want to say too much. Yeah, yeah, because uh, it is a really good game. What I like so far about this, I don't necessarily know that I love the idea of whether or not Resident Evil should become what it is right now, which is a annual franchise. I think any series exhausting itself this way is not a good idea. I think doing it occasionally is fine. I see no reason that they shouldn't have done two last year and three this year. They're both short experience, uh, short experiences that people have ex- experienced before, and that's fine. But I think it gets weird when we've got, okay, so we had Resident Evil 2, we got Resident Evil 3. Uh, next year they're saying th- that we're going to get Resident Evil 8, and then the year after that, Resident Evil 4, and then presumably re- continuing that flow on. The problem I have with that is that it doesn't matter what the franchise is, Franchise fatigue happens anywhere. Well, not only that. The only benefit they have here, and then I'll let you go on, just so I don't lose it, is I love that with this idea, at least, is that we get two and three, which are very similar in play style. So we got seven, two, three. Uh, Seven is way different than two and three. Right. And then eight would presumably, and I really hope, be the first person uh, at point of view again and change the game style up the way that you play and then four is of course going to be four there's yeah. no way they would change that and then eight can or and then after that maybe nine continues to go and maybe the way they pull this off being annual is it's like well what kind of resident evil do you like and to keep being remakes maybe it's like hey if you're not interested in the remakes but only the new ones you're only getting a game a new game every two years which is fine or if you play every single one of them at least every year you're getting a different style it's like you get a third person over the shoulder that has way more puzzle element or way more puzzle elements or maybe way more action elements in this one and then in this one you're going to get less action elements but you're going to get a lot of puzzles and a first person design you know they have flexibility to at least help because like the problem i had like Assassin's Creed is that every game up until uh, Origins and Odyssey, every game was the same. Kind of, sort of, yeah. So it's like you felt with Uncharted, right? It's like, yeah. even though that was franchise fatigue from playing all of them back three back. of them in a row, yeah. you still had that problem. But what were you going to say? Uh, I am in one of those weird, uh, one of those weird people. Uh, or I am one of those weird people that have one of those very weird hot takes about Resident Evil. I think that this point, the story is so convoluted, and Capcom has such done it has done such a terrible job in managing this story and containing it. This is one of the only things in the world that where where the video game, the animated movies, Would not, you say not the, that the game action, had a problem being contained, much like the virus in the game. Maybe so, but um, uh, the the animated movies are canon, mm-hmm. and those movies are terrible. There's one that I that I semi enjoyed. The live action movies are not; they don't have anything to do with Resident Evil as a game series. But here's the thing. What I wish they did was with Resident Evil 7, just left it Resident Evil and rebooted from there. I mean, technically, I guess you could look at the way they were doing it. It was released as just like, you know, here it was Resident Evil stylized, but they could have. No, it was really Resident Evil 7. I mean, yeah, sure. But and it was Biohazard 7. It's and, interesting because like everywhere else. Do you think that they could have done it the same way that they did everything else where it's like, hey, it's a soft reboot. It's in the same universe. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, like like everything else is gonna, no longer canon. Chris but, will never come back. We we won't worry about well, any other characters or any of those things. Umbrella still exists. As you can the, soft reboot them. You can bring them back for the first time. 
and make their stories new again. Well, when you say soft reboot, though, I mean more like the God of War sense, where it's like all the existing things that were there happened well, in see, this that's world. That's the problem with the story, though, is like. But I, if you go on, I what I was getting video. at is like, right, let's just say that six was the end of the Resident Evil one through six setup, right? And all that that was interconnected is fine. Well, now with seven, you're moving on, and it's like I talked about with The Last of Us. It's in the same world, and all the events have still happened, but you're not worrying about them in this game anymore. This is a new arc that has nothing to do with anything to do with any of that outside of Umbrella being potentially the reason that it's coming. And actually, seven is kind of weird. It, I don't want to spoil too much about seven. So it's one of those interesting things where they could have soft rebooted it and let all of the existing stuff that happened before it be canon, but be un, be no longer relevant to what's moving forward. And that, they, they, that I kind of wish is what they did because I've watched this video. Uh, I'd say about a week ago. I was in quarantine, Ironically. which is a good yeah, it's a good video to watch on that. But it's the entire Resident Evil timeline and the complete story. It's a two hour and fifteen minute long video with everything that you need to know. Like it's it's and it's, that counts what does that count things like every Code Veronica single, every and, game yeah, and it, it shows you how they run side by side or how they sequel to each other. And by the end of it, I'm like, man, this is just too much for a zombie, like a zombie thing. And I might be completely wrong on it, or not wrong, but I mean, you may completely disagree with me on it's this. It's the Kingdom Hearts of zombie games? Kind of, in a very weird way. Um, I, actually, I got this. Josh, I know you're a fan of Resident Evil. What do you feel about that statement? Do you think the Resident Evil story is way too convoluted for what it should be? Or do you think that it's it's perfectly fine and kind of go on a game-by-game basis. It's but, weird, because much like me, I think it depends on where you are with the series and how much it means to you. Because like, me and you clearly stand on different, not not that you're just 100% against it, but we stand on different, like the conversation we had the other day about Kingdom Hearts, we stand on a different thing of that. Yeah. And I think it just comes down to how much the series has meant to you over a time period. Because you know me, every time a Kingdom Hearts game comes out, I'm immediately on it. Well, that's how I am. And you had that for some of them, but I don't, I don't remember you having that feeling over something like Dream Drop Distance. I remember you played it but it wasn't like well dream drop distance you, you treat the side games like side games dream, and i treat the side games like this is just as important as everything else happening dream drop distance actually came out in a time when i did not have a 3ds anymore mm. so like that's why it took me so long to play that game the only other game i didn't play at launch was birth by sleep and i guess technically one recoded uh, which matters so less than anything but it technically is there. i mean no technically didn't they make it so that recoded kind of matters with one specific thing in that Ah, technically, that re that, at, at least that recoded something that's introduced and recoded is at least not wasted anywhere else in the series. Yeah, that's, that's the way that's, I would word it. That's the data stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, communities take what Brett said earlier. What yeah, do you guys Resident think about Evil the 4. Resident Evil Four news? And uh, are you excited? Or are you going to play it? You and... know what? Let's back off of it because Resident Evil Four is real specific. And since we talked about so much Resident Evil, let's just say in general, how do you feel about the future of Resident Evil, including the remake and Resident Evil Eight? Do you like that it looks like it's becoming a yearly franchise? Yeah, I guess that's a good one. Yeah, or I mean, I guess that's a good one. Uh, I was and you, almost, can, you can say whatever you want to about Resident Evil 4 or Resident Evil 8 in this, so that way it's a little more open for people that have feelings on one but maybe less on the other. Yeah, and hey, uh, you guys can find us on all podcast services around the globe, and if you find one that we're not on, let us know so we can get on it. And uh, as well as catch us every Monday on YouTube at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Central Time, every Monday. We're almost always here, except last week, uh, but, you know... I was in quarantine. so uh, Quarantine permitting. Yes. If you guys enjoy the video, please give it a like on YouTube. And uh, if there's a review outlet that you can write on the podcast service you listen to, please give us a 
review. Give us uh, give us any kind of stars you want to give us. Let us know. Ha, stars, Resident Evil. Um, let us know how well we've been doing. Uh, it could be two star, three star, four star, five star. We don't care. All criticism is good criticism, as we normally say. So we'd like to thank you all for staying with us to the very end. And uh, now you get to hear Brett's. Oh, somebody was it? No faith. They didn't realize that you read off uh, Patreon every episode. It's yeah, not I read pre-recorded. It off live. Every every episode, I give our patrons that touch. Yes, that very personal touch. Brett reads them out. So yeah. Without further ado, thank you all. I'm going to let Brett hit that sweet, sultry note for you guys. Before I go over there, I want to ask what we've been asking every episode as far often as I can remember. We asked that if you love the show Boy, or I'll you like it. I'll smack you with this laptop. I already went through this. No, if you love the show, share it with someone. Okay, yeah, that works. I forgot about that. So you can yeah. smack me with your laptop. Yeah, I will. You know what? Thank you. you. We'll, we'll do that off camera so that we don't see me beating you. Smack me, Daddy. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks to our patrons, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarud, Funk Turkey, Danny Villalobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Post, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanland, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, and El Chabib. If you would like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider becoming a patron for as little as $1 a month. Thank you.